Welcome to Bible Curious, where we explore the entire Bible from cover to cover, asking ourselves, what is the Holy Bible? What claims does it make about God? And what message does it have for us today? Whether you are faithful or unfaithful, believing, unbelieving, or just plain curious, this series is for you. I'm Arthur Milliken, and today we will be reading Exodus chapters 10 through 12 from the World English Bible. You can find our reading plan at biblecurious.org plan. Exodus chapter 10, introduction. Now that Yahweh has Egypt's undivided attention, he prepares two more terrible plagues as judgment for their abuse of his people. In the eighth plague, locusts swarm Egypt and consume every green thing left after the previous plagues of hail and fire. Pharaoh's servants beg him to let the Israelites go before Egypt is destroyed, but Pharaoh still resists. In the ninth plague, darkness covers Egypt for three days, demonstrating supremacy over the sun god Ra, while the Israelites have light in their dwellings. Pharaoh again offers a compromise, but Moses insists that all of Israel, including their livestock, must be allowed to leave. This plague of darkness also conceals a second hidden agenda, which we'll reveal in the following commentary, so be sure to stick around. This chapter includes the eighth plague, locusts, the ninth plague, darkness. Exodus chapter 10. Yahweh said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these my signs among them, and that you will tell in the hearing of your son and of your son's son what things I have done to Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am Yahweh. Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to him, this is what Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, says. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country, and they shall cover the surface of the earth, so that one won't be able to see the earth. They will eat the residue of that which has escaped, which remains to you from the hail and shall eat every tree which grows for you out of the field. Your houses shall be filled, and the houses of all your servants, and the houses of all the Egyptians, as neither your fathers nor your fathers' fathers have seen, since the day that they were on the earth to this day. He turned and went out from Pharaoh. Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long will this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve Yahweh their God. Don't you yet know that Egypt is destroyed? Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go, serve Yahweh your God. But who are those who will go? Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old. We will go with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds. 
for we must hold a feast to Yahweh. He said to them, Yahweh be with you if I let you go with your little ones. See, evil is clearly before your faces. Not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve Yahweh, for that is what you desire. Then they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Yahweh said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come up on the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, even all that the hail has left. Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and Yahweh brought an east wind on the land all that day and all night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. The locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested in all the borders of Egypt. They were very grievous. Before them, there were no such locusts as they, nor will there ever be again. For they covered the surface of the whole earth so that the land was darkened and they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. There remained nothing green, either tree or herb of the field, through all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste, and he said, I have sinned against Yahweh your God and against you. Now therefore please forgive my sin again, and pray to Yahweh your God, that he may also take away from me this death. Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to Yahweh. Yahweh sent an exceedingly strong west wind, which took up the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the borders of Egypt. But Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he didn't let the children of Israel go. Yahweh said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They didn't see one another, and nobody rose from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go, serve Yahweh. Only let your flocks and your herds stay behind. Let your little ones also go with you. Moses said, You must also give into our hand sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our God. Our livestock also shall go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind. For of it we must take to serve Yahweh our God. And we don't know with what we must serve Yahweh until we come there. But Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he wouldn't let them go. Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me! Be careful to see my face no more, for in the day you see my face you shall die. Moses said, You have spoken well. I will see your face again no more. This dramatic confrontation between Pharaoh and Yahweh undoubtedly left a huge impression on the ancient world, casting shockwaves which would be felt in the distant city of Jericho and beyond. 
But I believe there was also another less obvious plan unfolding right beneath Pharaoh's nose. If you've listened to previous episodes of this podcast, you may recall that I believe Genesis chapter 5 actually came from a book or scroll which was snatched from the Egyptian royal library. Genesis 5 begins, This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in God's likeness. The Hebrew word for book or scroll is sefer, and Moses was careful to indicate that Genesis 5 came to him in the form of a book. This scroll then names Seth as Adam's firstborn, then goes on to say, Seth lived 105 years, then became the father of Enosh. Seth lived, after he became the father of Enosh, 807 years, and became the father of other sons and daughters. All of the days of Seth were 912 years, then he died. We also know that Seth was revered by the Egyptians as a god in his own right, and Egyptian lore identifies Seth as someone who killed his own brother Osiris, a story suspiciously similar to that of Cain and Abel from Genesis 4. And if we take the name Seth to be the name of Cain's new identity after being exposed and forgiven by Yahweh for his murderous crime, then we can see the common roots shared by both the Israelite and Egyptian peoples. Seth lived to be 912 years old, so he was effectively immortal. And if the Egyptian priesthood had access to the contents of Genesis 5 as a scroll in their own library, then that would explain the Egyptian obsession with immortality, which extends throughout their own literature. The Ninth Plague of Darkness, it turns out, served as the perfect cover for someone to steal this valuable scroll from the Egyptian library so that it would end up in Moses' hands when he finally sat down to compile the book of Genesis. Who this person might have been, I don't know. But if Pharaoh had a court advisor who helped to harden his heart before Yahweh's demands, then this very well could have been an inside job. If you asked me to speculate, I would probably name Balaam son of Beor as this inside agent. And while I'm engaging in speculation, here's another. Who really are Aaron and Moses, these two men who stood before Pharaoh in this epic confrontation? Might these two souls exist elsewhere in the biblical narrative? If I had to connect them to the past, I would link Aaron and Moses to Cain and Abel, also named Seth and Osiris. Perhaps if Pharaoh had been made aware of this, he would have thought twice about his own treacherous dealings with them. Exodus 7.1 reads, Yahweh said to Moses, Behold, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, 
and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. As it turns out, Egypt would later reject Seth as a patron deity, casting him as a villain and transforming him into an adversarial devil from an Egyptian perspective. Might the theft of this valuable scroll depicting Seth's lineage have been the catalyst for Egypt's rejection of Seth? Exodus chapter 11, Introduction After sending nine ruinous plagues against Egypt, Yahweh will announce a final and most devastating judgment upon Pharaoh and his people, the death of the firstborn. Yahweh also announces the fulfillment of his prophecy from Exodus chapter 3, when he told Moses, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it will happen that when you go, you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor and of her who visits her house jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. You shall plunder the Egyptians. This chapter includes the plague on the firstborn foretold. Exodus chapter 11. Yahweh said to Moses, I will bring yet one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go. When he lets you go, he will surely thrust you out altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man ask of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. Yahweh gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Moses said, This is what Yahweh says, About midnight I will go out into the middle of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of livestock. There will be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has not been, nor will be any more. But against any of the children of Israel, a dog won't even bark or move its tongue against man or animal, that you may know that Yahweh makes a distinction between the Egyptians and Israel. All these servants of yours will come down to me and bow down themselves to me, saying, Get out with all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. He went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Yahweh said to Moses, Pharaoh won't listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, but Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart and he didn't let the children of Israel go out of his land. Back in the book of Job, a suffering Job reminds his audience in chapter 28, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. To depart from evil is understanding. It can sometimes be difficult to imagine how a merciful and loving God could render so harsh a judgment aiming to take life, both innocent and guilty, in this sweeping pronouncement of doom. But life itself 
is the sovereign domain of Yahweh, and the one who gives life certainly has the prerogative to take away that which originally came from him. This judgment is also a reminder that just as in the days of the great flood, a land can become so degenerate in its culture that literally no one could stand innocent before God. To view this awful plague from another perspective, it is not condemnation of the firstborn, but rather mercy toward everyone else that Yahweh extends here. By targeting the firstborn of every Egyptian family, Yahweh simultaneously severs every single line of succession within the entire kingdom, reminding everyone that power does not flow through human heredity. Rather, it flows directly from God himself. Exodus chapter 12, Introduction This chapter marks a turning point in the Exodus narrative as Yahweh executes the final plague in preparation for the Israelites' escape from Egypt. God gives specific instructions to Aaron and Moses regarding the Passover, which would become their central annual festival, commemorating the liberation of Israel from slavery in Egypt. They would eat this Passover meal in haste with unleavened bread, belts on their waists, and sandals on their feet because now it is time to depart Egypt and be slaves no more. This chapter also describes the institution of the sacrificial system, including the selection and preparation of the Passover lamb. It is by this sacrificial lamb that God's people would identify themselves as distinct from the Egyptians, and by this sacrificial lamb that they will find protection from the final plague that is about to strike Egypt. This chapter includes the first Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the tenth plague, death of the firstborn. The Exodus begins. Instructions for the Passover. Exodus chapter 12. Yahweh spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be to you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too little for a lamb, then he and his neighbor next to his house shall take one according to the number of the souls. You shall make your count for the lamb according to what everyone can eat. Your lamb shall be without defect, a male, a year old. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at evening. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel on the houses in which they shall eat it. They shall eat the meat in that night roasted with fire, with unleavened bread. They shall eat it with bitter herbs. Don't eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted with fire, with its head, its legs, and its inner parts. 
You shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, but that which remains of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. This is how you shall eat it, with your belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is Yahweh's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt in that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and animal. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. I am Yahweh. The blood shall be to you for a token on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will be on you to destroy you. When I strike the land of Egypt, this day shall be a memorial for you. You shall keep it as a feast to Yahweh. You shall keep it as a feast throughout your generations by an ordinance forever. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away yeast out of your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And the first day there shall be to you a holy convocation, and in the seventh day a holy convocation. No kind of work shall be done in them, except that which every man must eat, only that may be done by you. You shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this same day I have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month, at evening. There shall be no yeast found in your houses for seven days, for whoever eats that which is leavened, that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a foreigner or one who is born in the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your habitations you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Draw out and take lambs according to your families and kill the Passover. You shall take a bunch of hyssop, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning, for Yahweh will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, Yahweh will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. You shall observe this thing for an ordinance to you and to your sons forever. It shall happen when you have come to the land which Yahweh will give you as he has promised that you shall keep this service. It will happen when your children ask you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the sacrifice of Yahweh's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and spared our houses. The people bowed their heads and worshipped. The children of Israel went and did so, as Yahweh had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. At midnight, Yahweh struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne 
to the firstborn of the captive who is in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of livestock. Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. He called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up, get out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go. Serve Yahweh as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We are all dead men. The people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes and on their shoulders. The children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they asked of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and clothing. Yahweh gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. They plundered the Egyptians. The children of Israel traveled from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot who were men, in addition to children. A mixed multitude went up also with them, with flocks and herds, and even very much livestock. They baked unleavened cakes of the dough, which they brought out of Egypt, for it wasn't leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and couldn't wait, and they had not prepared any food for themselves. Now the time that the children of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, to the day, all of Yahweh's armies went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be much observed to Yahweh for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that night of Yahweh to be much observed by all the children of Israel throughout their generations. Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every man's servant who is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then shall he eat of it. A foreigner and a hired servant shall not eat of it. It must be eaten in one house. You shall not carry any of the meat outside of the house. Do not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. When a stranger lives as a foreigner with you and would like to keep the Passover to Yahweh, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it. He shall be as one who is born in the land but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. One law shall be to him who is born at home and to the stranger who lives as a foreigner among you. All the children of Israel did so, as Yahweh commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. That same day, Yahweh brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. The Festival of Passover is the central ritual of the Jewish faith and is still observed by Jews today. In fact, this tradition is so powerful that even many atheists who are ethnically Jewish still observe the Passover, acknowledging its cultural significance as a unifying force among the Jewish people. 
This ritual is also significant to modern Christians, because Yahweh always intended the Passover lamb to be a symbolic precursor to Christ, whom John the Baptist called the Lamb of God. Just as the Passover lamb's blood was used to mark the households of God's people and protect them from God's judgment upon Egypt, Christians are to use the blood of Christ, symbolized with ritual wine, to protect themselves against God's final judgment upon earth. If we use the Bible's own chronological markers, we can date the event of the Exodus to 1446 BC, identifying Tutmosis III as the Pharaoh of the Exodus. 1 Kings 6.1 reads, In the 480th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month Ziv, which is the second month, he began to build Yahweh's house. Because historians can assume with confidence that King Solomon ascended the throne in 970 BC, making his fourth year 966 BC, we can subtract 480 years from this date and we end up with an exodus which occurred at 1446 BC during the reign of Tutmosis III. Tutmosis III was a great military commander considered by Egyptologists as the Napoleon of Egypt, and it can be confirmed that his own firstborn son never succeeded the throne because he died before the end of his father's reign. Tutmosis' aunt and stepmother, Hatshepsut, reigned as a pharaoh in her own right, and we can identify Hatshepsut as the princess who rescued Moses from the River Nile and spared him from her father's terrible edict. Curiously, Many of Hatshepsut's inscriptions in Egypt were erased either by Tutmosis or his successor. While some scholars assume this erasure was an example of ancient sexism, I think it's more likely she was regarded as cursed due to the fact that she had rescued Moses, the prophet who brought ruination upon Egypt during the height of her glory. For those of you listening, who want more information, you can research these dates and you will find there is still plenty of debate over the date of the historical exodus, with the greatest number of scholars falling into three camps. Those who favor the so-called early date of 1446, which is the one we favor here, those who favor a later date during the reign of Ramses II, and then there are those who assume there never was an exodus at all. But I would caution against believing that there's no evidence of an exodus from Egypt, since the Bible itself counts as evidence, and the Bible is the most well-attested collection of documents in the history of planet Earth. You may have noticed in verse 37, the text describes the exodus procession as about 600,000 on foot who were men, in addition to children. Of course, this is an excessively large number of people, leading to the theory that perhaps Moses inflated these numbers, as was the custom among ancient Near Eastern historians. 
However, there is much textual evidence indicating that Moses intended these numbers to be taken literally, and we will address these passages as we encounter them in our journey forward. Let us pray to the Father from Psalm 77. I will remember Yah's deeds, for I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and consider your doings. Your way, God, is in the sanctuary. What God is great like God? You are the God who does wonders. You have made your strength known among the peoples. You have redeemed your people with your arm, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Thank you for listening. If you've satisfied any of your Bible curiosity, please rate this series. If you have feedback, write a review. And if you are still curious for more, please subscribe so that we can send you timely updates and join us for our next episode where we will be reading Exodus chapters 13 through 15, Parting the Red Sea. May Yahweh reign forever and ever. This is Arthur Milliken saying good night and God bless.